Hello and welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Trey Scott, joined by college basketball's all-time career assist king, Jerry Meyer. Before we get started, we'd love for you to take a moment and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. We're also available on Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're listening to this on the 24-7 Sports Media Player, uh, go ahead and hover over that, that little thing. Find the button you want and subscribe. I'm talking fast. Jerry, the NBA Finals are well underway. I think it'd be a wasted opportunity if we didn't pick your expert brain on some of your memories of these Warriors and Raptors players as recruits. So I, yeah, I hope you're I love ready, doing this. excited about it. This is one of the reasons I, I love my job so much. Just, you know, I get to watch these guys and I have a memory bank, you yeah. know, full of like their progression. So yeah, I love talking this stuff. We're going to start you off with the highest ranked guy in the finals, even though he did not play in the first two games. Kevin Durant was the number yeah. two overall recruit in 2006, just behind Greg Odin. Yeah, that was, that was what a time to be alive. <laughs> was that even a debate? Was it like Odin? Yeah, won? that's what I want to get into. There's been some revisionist history. People are like, yeah, I, I knew Kevin Durant was going to be back. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, I remember. I, I was very cognizant at the time and still remember it well. Greg Oden was like, we thought he was going to be like Shaq. It was like Shaq. I mean, he was just so dominant. Now, I think people had a sense the game was starting to shift and become a more perimeter spread out game, which obviously Kevin Durant sort of represents the epitome of that and the success in his career, him and others like him. We knew Kevin was a, kind of a freaky shooter. And especially since, at, you know, probably then he was six, nine, didn't, I don't think anyone had a grasp on him being such the playmaker ball handler you know, just give Kevin the ball and he's going to get a shot anytime he wants to get a shot. It was more sort of that traditional four man mm -hmm. who trails on the break, you know, launching deep threes, put the ball on the floor some. But, you know, I'm just trying to describe what it was like at the time. There were some people, I'm not saying if someone said, yeah, back, if they were there back at the time, someone said, I thought Kevin could be better than Greg. I wouldn't automatically say they're lying because they were different and there was a sense the game's changing, but Greg Oden was pretty much a flat-out consensus number one guy. It's hard now with the current basketball recruits because there's handlers and they're so protected and insulated. Back in 2006, I am curious, was there ever an opportunity to get to know any of the top-tier talent or is it pretty much as yeah. it is now? You got, so to, was, you got to know them. Was Kevin you probably, you, we had more access to them then. Right. Because, they, yeah, they weren't – like now you go to a Nike EYBL, it's all – you can only interview them in the morning at this specific time, at this specific spot. Man, when I started in this industry, back when these guys were playing, like Kevin Durant's class, it was very unstructured. <laughs> I mean, the game ended. You just walked out on the court. Kate started interviewing guys, you know, before they even shook hands. It's probably better that it's a little more structured now, but – um, sure. You got you got to know the guys. Yeah. KD gets a lot of flack on the internet for being so sensitive. <laughs> what yeah. was he like back then? Um, I mean, not that not that. No, it's a great question because be like, hey, Jerry, I'm a super. Well, KD's guy. different. Like, put it this way: Chris Paul walks into a Nike event, like he comes to the Peach Jam. He, he sponsors a team out of North Carolina. It's just him and his three kids or two kids. Little boys, he's letting them run around. Every time the whistle blows, they're out there shooting shots. You know, 
the refs aren't going to stop them. They're Chris Paul's kids, right? And, but no entourage. Kevin Durant walks in. He's got like five huge bodyguards around him. He's got his hoodie up over his head. He's like, Kevin, wow, dude, it's okay, man. <laughs> I think he's just a very introverted in a way type guy. Is what I, and he had those tendencies then. He just wasn't super famous. Right. Then yet, but maybe but, a shy kid a little bit. Yeah, that's that's my take on it because I'm sure he's a great guy, but sometimes it comes off it's like, "Whoa, Kevin, relax a little bit." You know, you are a star, but no one, no one's going to mess with you here. You know, I don't know. It just kind of cracks me up because his the juxtaposition between him and Chris Paul at events is is very strikingly different. We're going to stay on the Warriors. I do want to jump to Steph Curry. This story gets told so many yeah. times, so we don't need to spend too much time. Number 256 in the composite. Uh-huh. Obviously the son of an nba or Do you have any recollection of Steph? And you can well, I never saw that. him live because he played for a Ma and Pa team. Didn't even play in the big national events. He weighed, I think, 140 pounds at best then. Yeah, lessons to be learned. He, he was the son of an NBA player. I've always found NBA players typically, their kids typically develop later because their dads develop later at an extremely high level. You know, they weren't little league all-stars, right? They didn't, they didn't max out at 13, but I do remember reading some articles about them and, you know, some scouts did see him. They probably wish they hadn't because I have that excuse. Oh, I never saw him, <laughs> but a uh, six shooter back then just, you know, you just thought he was going to be five eleven, hundred fifty pounds and a really good shooter. And, that's why Virginia Tech didn't recruit him. And it wasn't just the scouts. Like, everyone missed on Steph because you're going to miss on Steph. The reason because, I mean, he hadn't developed yet. So, that's kind of the Steph story. Another son of an NBAer on the Warriors, Clay Thompson, went mm-hmm. to Washington State. He was number 42 overall in the in – the, uh, 24-7 sports yeah. composite. Not that not that 24-7 existed then, but you did, Jerry, at Rivals. Yeah, well, it took a while for Clay to move up the rankings. Why? Kind of like Kawhi Leonard, because lack of exposure. And we're talking – I mean, the industry is so blown up now. It's, it's hard – it's harder to fall through the cracks or to come up through the cracks, however you want to look at it. There's just so much information out there, so many scouts – um, there's just this huge industry 10 years ago or whenever it wasn't at the same level. And so if you had a guy playing on a, a not a top tier travel team, you might miss him some, but towards the end, people caught on to clay, but he, he wasn't a highly ballyhooed player or anything like that. I, I just wonder like the shooting, I wonder when it gets from like really good and an elite skill to. To absolute. Well, that's a great point. Because Clay just is freakish sometimes watching him shoot. that takes years to develop. How quick and efficient. Well, right. And you can – because it takes a lot of strength. To shoot the ball the way Clay shoots it, it takes great strength because it's so efficient. It's so economical. It's just wrist and good leg strength. I mean, it's it's something special to watch. So, yeah, you're not going to be able to do that with accuracy – when you're in high school you know it's going to take time and when you make those leaps in shooting ability and prowess it's hard to quantify what it does to your value i mean and a guy like clay you can 
I think he's a pretty good defender. He is. I think he's good at a lot of things he doesn't get credit for. Now, he's not a big dribble guy. You know, he needs to pull up in the mid-range, typically not a rim finisher against, you know, a challenge. But the ability to just drain shots, it's a nice thing. <laughs> you want to talk about improvement as far as shooting goes. And just all-around game, Kawhi Leonard from San Diego State mm-hmm. to, to San Antonio to Toronto went, went from a, a fringe lottery pick to one of the best in the NBA. But, Jerry – He's not just an, a regular San Diego State product. He was number 57 overall in the composite in 20, uh, mm-hmm. 2009. I think there's a backstory that he nearly went to UCLA as well. Do you remember Kawhi on the trail? Oh, yeah. Uh, Kawhi didn't even play on his AU club's first team. He was like the star of their second team. So, <laughs> you know, what do we say about – his AAU club. <laughs> uh, Paul George, same thing. They, play, they both play for the Pump and Run uh, Travel Club out of L.A. Paul George, just like Kawhi Leonard, played on the, the B team. So I find that very interesting. So a lot of people want to say the scouts missed on him. Well, maybe the scouts did a really – I thought I did a pretty good job. I was one of the first nationally – uh, to get him up there in like the top 50 obviously wish he was even higher because we're watching a guy play on their B team What's so you automatically so maybe the scouts did a good job yeah. <laughs> maybe his AU coaches are the problem <laughs> what stood out to Kawhi when you're like hey I need uh, great th- those huge hands all the stuff he does now man grind every loose ball seems like he's gonna get it it's not always pretty but he gets the ball in the basket or he draws fouls um, obviously wasn't a shooter. That's what took his game next level, and it's the importance of shooting. You know, he got with Chip England at the shooting coach for the Spurs, and he became a knockdown shooter, so then look out. But, yeah, he wasn't – you know, no one could have projected that. He had no idea. But you could tell this is a top 50 player. Part of the package that got Kawhi to Toronto included Danny Green. Danny was a four-star, really highly rated recruit, the number yeah. 27 overall in 05. Him. Went to North Carolina. I think I was surprised to learn today that Danny Green's 31 years old. Time flies. I remember him when he was in college. What <laughs> do you remember fly. about him when he was in high school? Uh, really smooth. Um, had stature and sort of a physicality out there. Yeah, he controlled space around him. Not, you know, just like he is now. Not explosively quick or anything. But I always kind of liked his game. I always thought mentally he was like a step ahead of most everyone else on the court. And then back to shooting, <laughs> he goes to the Spurs. He becomes like just a – I mean, he was a good shooter. But, man, he became that guy like, man, he, you know, you let him get a shot, you're in trouble. I, I believe he started his NBA career in Cleveland. And it didn't work. I mean, they didn't even get a, give him a chance, yeah. and the Spurs resurrected his career quickly and turned him into a, uh, a multimillionaire. Now, another four-year player for North Carolina. It's, it's fun to see how that, yeah. that school team yeah. tends to get a lot of them. Kyle Lowry, we're getting mm-hmm. old, 2004, number yep. 29 overall, goes to Villanova. Is he real tough? Tough as nails. You know, they talk Philly tough. I mean, good gosh. The epitome of it. Um, yeah, uh, back then, uh, Mark Reeves was my right-hand man in the scouting business. He absolutely loved Kyle. And I trust, <laughs> trusted and still do trust Mark's opinion on guys, and he was right on Kyle because Kyle wasn't – he was kind of just viewed as this kind of chubby, 
you know, just tear your head off Philly guy, but he's only like six foot, six one. He's not in the best shape. He's not a above the rim type player. Is he really even that good a shooter? Well, dang, his team always wins. <laughs> he gets 30 points every time, but it's kind of ugly. Will it translate? You know, there are a lot of questions, justifiably. And he's proved that he can keep doing it at every level. You know, same way he could dominate an AAU game as a teenager um, has translated to the very highest level. We're going to take a quick message to hear a word from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to dive into the mercurial Boogie Cousins and Draymond Green as they were high schoolers. Mm -hmm. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. Jerry, I hear you have a little Boogie Cousins story from your your rankings days at Rivals.com. He uh, obviously was a five-star number three overall in the composite. What happened? Yeah, I mean, I hope I didn't oversell it to you during the oh. break. <laughs> I mean, it's, I a, it's a good he, little like, antidote. No, it's a good little antidote. Um, I, I didn't know DeMarcus that well, I mean, like personally, which is why this was kind of startling. So we're at the McDonald's All-American game. I think that year it was in Miami, at the University of Miami. And um, all of a sudden I just feel some big guy just like bump into me from behind blindsided me and I look as and then I have to look way up as DeMarcus Cousins and he says when when you gonna rank me number one bro <laughs> <laughs> like like it's something I really need to think about doing <laughs> that's awesome. so that was just funny it, that's kind of what DeMarcus was like and I respected and love and I love DeMarcus Cousins love his game love him as a person um, I think he's a great guy but he gets a bad rap some because he doesn't mess around. There's not a lot of pretense. Every every single McDonald's guy was thinking that thought. But DeMarcus is the guy who in sort of a fun but yet kind of serious way <laughs> expressed himself. You know, and I think Derek Favors was his competition. Or I think, John I think, Wall. Yeah, well, yeah, I was at Rivals.com at the time, and I went with Wall, number one, DeMarcus, number two. I thought that was a good year for me. You know, you have good years, you have some not-so-good years in rankings. Uh, that was a good one, but a lot of people like Derek Favors over ranked him over even John Henson, I think over Demarcus and Demarcus wasn't really happy about that. Jerry, does it ever surprise you when these these guys have rankings on their mind? No, I, I would have had them on my mind. I think it's just natural. Yeah. I mean, I, I respect I I yeah, of course they got it on their mind, and. That's why I got a job. The fans have it on their minds. The players have it on their minds. Rankings are big. I mean, we love rankings. Um, I respect the guys, though, that don't let it affect their play in a negative way. Um, And and, and most of them operate that way. Usually the guys who are, quote, tripping on their ranking, it's the guy – I mean, I remember there was a player – they're the guys that are not in yeah. the five-star range usually, you know. They're the guy like at 70 who thinks he should be seven. Um, Darian Hobson, I think I got the first name right. I think he played at New Mexico or whatever. He, he flamed out. But he's sort of one of these guys. I remember this one story. He had a couple jumpers and ran down press row where all the scouts were and started banging 
while he was running back on D, not the most efficient path back on D. <laughs> he banana routed over to the sidelines. And as he's running, he's banging on the scores table going, where are you going to rank me now? Where are you going to rank me now? They're like, you hit a couple J's, bro. <laughs> Your man's dunking right now. <laughs> was What was Boogie like back then? I would imagine. Oh, he was that. nasty. He was gnarly. Scared the hell out of people that played against him. I mean, he'd get in a guy's ear. I mean, I don't think I ever saw him do the Lance Stevenson blow in the ear, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did something like that. I mean, he knew he had an intimidating presence and a very intimidating, very good game. Highly skilled big man. Um, put him in that Al Jefferson yeah. category, but, but DeMarcus, man, face-up game the whole bit. But, yeah, he's scared. He, he intimidated. He's one of the more – because we talk about, oh, these AU guys, they're all friends. They're on Snapchat. They're traveling all over with each other. We don't have the rivalries like back in the day, you know, when players hated each other. You know, there, there's something to that, good and bad, whatever. It's just life. But DeMarcus Cousins is kind of a throwback. Like, he was one of those, like, he wasn't all about, you know, exchanging Snapchat that wasn't there then. Whatever but he was, wasn't man. getting digits like, hey, buddy, I'm going to text you after the game. I mean, he he had a snarl in his face. He was he played angry. You loved and it. And I loved it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you got to be an – he wasn't an asshole. Now, he would do some asshole things. He would get technicals. I mean, you know, he's combustible. Still is. Still is. <laughs> Still is. He's who he is. But I would much rather have a guy you got to hold back than a guy – you got to like, come on, come on, let's go get the lead out of your ass and let's go, let's play ball. DeMarcus was not that guy. DeMarcus, um, it was personal. Played with the edge and that's, you know, has served him well in his career. You're making these segues too easy. Another guy who plays on the edge who's combustible, Draymond Green. Oh, yeah. Number 69 in the in the 24-7 yeah. sports composite. Went to Michigan State in 08. Yeah, this probably wasn't proper – but when I scouted him, me and a couple of other scouts I was close with, we called him Sloppy Green, like Sloppy Joe. Mm -hmm. uh, it's probably not the best nickname. <laughs> I wouldn't tell him that in his face. But Draymond knows what he was back in high school. It's well documented. He's talked about it. Man, he was out of shape. He was just – his game was sloppy. You would see moments. He looked, I mean, he'll even have sloppy games now. Like the first half of game one of the series, he turned it over, what, like five times, you know. He would be erratic like that, but his, his body wasn't there, nor his mind. But it's not like we make up nicknames about players. See, he had our eye. Mm -hmm. We knew there was a player in there, and that's proven to be the case. You know, I mean, I think his time at Michigan State was just huge for him. Tom Izzo and the program taught him to, you know, get a seriousness about what he's doing get his body right, get his mind right, you know, compete and do it daily and don't take days off and take care of your diet, you know, do all the little things that make a champion. And, man, what a tremendous player he is. No one would have dreamed that Draymond Green that we watched, and he played for the family out of Michigan, that that guy would be doing what he's doing today. I mean, you, you would never have guessed. If you had to give him a strength in high school, like, yeah, he's a great rebounder. Like, what what did you see at all? Re um, passing, rebounding. So some Just, of those triple, triple oh, it was there. things were there. Right. That, that's why we would even take the time to give the guy a nickname. You get what I'm saying? Like, 
it was like you knew there was something there. He, he, he was enigmatic a little bit. Like, kind of, you're like, what's up with this guy? You know, like, this is weird. Like, he's effective. But then sometimes he disappears. But usually he produces. But it sure isn't pretty. And how's he getting those? Well, he just grinded out plays like he does now. But the big difference is his body. He got, I mean, he was probably 50 pounds overweight, you know. I would guess 40. And he's in impeccable shape now. And then just, he's a worker. So, you know, like a Damian Lillard, you know, just game keeps getting better. You keep getting more confident. You keep getting more alpha. As long as you keep it in check, everything's great. Um, but every team wants a guy like Draymond Green. You know, he's that guy. You love him when he's on your team. You hate him when he's not. And those are usually the best guys, right? <laughs> it's kind of what it's all about. We're competing here, you know. You want you don't want to be that player everyone loves. You just want to be that player your teammates love and everyone else hates to play against you. That's great stuff, Jerry. I learned a lot. It kind of made me a little bit more excited to watch the final. Yeah, game. yeah, so, sure. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time.